0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: I firmly believe that the Monday after the Super Bowl should be some sort of a holiday. <laughs> the struggle bus passenger on board. Welcome to the Ron Show on the America One Radio app. AmericanOneRadio.com or wherever you podcast. Uh, to deal with the sluggishness of the day after the Super Bowl is one thing. To wake up in Atlanta and there's thunderstorms moving through, and who doesn't want to sleep in through a thunderstorm, right? And the otherwise rainy, drab conditions that have pretty much been most of what it seems like winter weather uh, here in the ATL. That's another matter. Last night, by the way, we saw a halftime Super Bowl performance that was so Atlanta. Like, I remember reading somewhere that most of the crew working on and behind the scenes for the halftime show were Atlanta based crew. So, how cool is that? Usher, of course, obviously a proud ATLian. Ludicrous performing last night during Usher's halftime show. I, I really enjoyed that show. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yes, Alicia Keys was pitchy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was a really rough start. She she pulled it together, but it was, it was definitely pitchy to start with. telling like Randy Jackson back on the American Idol days. It was just I, dog. A little pitchy, but it was I. And it was. I, I thought the halftime show was actually pretty good. To be honest with you, that's the halftime show we deserved having when... <laughs> The Super Bowl's in Atlanta when Mercedes-Benz Stadium has the Super Bowl. Why don't we, we got Maroon 5 instead of that? I'll never understand why we can't put that together so that a halftime show in Atlanta actually has a lot of Atlanta flair to it. Then again, if memory serves, Celine Dion performed at the opening ceremonies during the 1996 Olympic Games. So make of that what you will, I guess. Uh, Did Usher manage to reinvigorate his uh, public persona? Well, I'm pretty sure that the folks at Apple Music and even Spotify are seeing upticks in airplay of his vast catalog. If if I do have one complaint about the halftime show, because there's so many songs that a lot of us had forgotten about, man, when... When Love and This Club started playing, I was like, oh, yeah, this was fine. This was a great song back in the day. By the way, before I became a residential realtor, I was in radio broadcasting for about 28 years. I managed radio stations throughout the Southeast from Louisiana to South Carolina to here in Atlanta. And so I was responsible in several different markets for choosing the songs that would wind up playing on a pop radio station throughout the Southeast. and. There were songs even I forgot. <laughs> like I said, Loving the Club was a jam back in the day. Joining me real quick to discuss the Atlanta halftime Super Bowl performances and a few other topics as well, editor-in-chief at the Atlanta Voice, Donnell Suggs. Donnell, how you been, man?
2: Uh, good morning, brother. I'm well. How you been?
1: I'm good. It looks like that uh, that Waffle House breakfast was uh, not going to last too long on that plate. I saw you this morning already checking no, in.
2: <laughs> Five to seven minutes max, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, like like a
1: lot of us, uh, we were watching the halftime show. I noticed that you were tweeting uh, pretty much minute by minute, not just from the game, but uh, through the game, but through the halftime show as well. What an Atlanta halftime show. Am I right?
2: It was the show we should have had when we hosted the Super Bowl a couple of years ago.
1: It's inexplicable. It's inexplicable why we didn't get that. It makes
2: no sense.
1: I mean, we got Maroon 5.
2: (laughs) Right. Who I like a lot.
3: Yeah.
2: In L.A.,
1: yeah, I guess. <laughs>
2: they could have been in L.A. They could have been anywhere. That's right. But that show last night should have been our show here.
1: Yeah. It was so Atlanta. I'm just blown away. I mean, you know, and in Vegas, they could have done so many things very Vegasy, but But that should have been Atlanta. Uh, here in Atlanta, no doubt about it. So there seems to be a little bit of a generational thing, too. I noticed that, uh, like, a, a lot of uh, the younger generation, they, they may not know enough about Usher, but, man, did we get reminded about his catalog during that show last night.
2: Unbelievable catalog. If you're probably under 21, you mm-hmm. know who he is, but you didn't realize that he's been doing this for close to 30 years. Mm-hmm so you are thinking, oh, that's the guy who has the shows in vegas where he like dances with the women and stuff no 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 that's another variation of him he's got about five other variations from he, he and i are roughly the same age so i remember him being a kid and me being a kid and going well who's this little 13 year old singing these songs so it's really cool to see him keep on transitioning but then get the whole catalog a chance uh for 10 minutes last night
1: listen can we just Real talk here. If you're under 21, you may know who Usher is, but you may be on this planet because of who Usher is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I think the only thing that I could nitpick a little bit about, like, Alicia Keys was a little pitchy when she got started.
2: She was. She was. But she looked, she looked gorgeous.
1: Yeah, yeah. She had that. I'm uh, biased.
2: I, I'm a married man, but I'm biased. I think she's just a beautiful woman. So it was great to see her. I'm just glad she wasn't the only uh, special guest appearance, because... He had so many friends in music. He put out so many cool people. It was like, all right, good. It wasn't just her. That was okay, but she was a little picky. Good stuff. I could, hard to find a problem with Lisa Keys, though, in my book.
1: I, I feel you. No, I understand completely. Uh, So I have to also point out, I'm a Georgia Bulldog guy. There were several Bulldogs who, I mean, I, I kept pointing up. Oh, he went to Georgia. Up, oh, a former Georgia Bulldog. Mecole Hardman,
2: man. How about Mecole? It, how big was that? Dude, <laughs> it's sandwiched. It was the game that ends with a catch. i a Georgia Bulldog. A beloved Georgia Bulldog. Yeah. And in the halftime obviously was his own. It could have been his own thing, on his own. What a Georgia slash Atlanta evening. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't have dominated that Super Bowl anymore unless the you know, Falcons were in it and actually won one.
1: Well, and and for Falcons fans, the good news is Kyle Shanahan still didn't win a Super Bowl.
2: Right. So don't feel bad, guys. he screwed it for them too. It's okay.
3: <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
1: So you know what? I want to I want to turn the talk to, to some serious discussion here real quick while I got you. Uh, so here we are in the midst of Black History Month, and I, I'm just kind of wanting to get a temperature from your point of view. And uh, uh, you, you and the Atlanta Voice readership and staff, um, uh, SB 63 does not come across as something that the sort of legislation you would see being passed, n- not in any month, but on, on Black History Month i i'm I'm sorry this is this is some tone deaf legislation coming out what 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 are you getting a sense of from from your point of view
2: the timing could not be worse and it's extremely tone deaf and i'm not gonna go racist i'm not gonna do that i don't want to play that card every time something is not pro-black it's got to be like racist but i mean my god like really guys the the timing it's i mean you have to be someone who's very new to the world to think that the timing is uh accidental on any front yeah and um that's that's uh, that's unfortunate
1: well and, and the thing that i want to say here is like like i'm not saying this because i think oh you know uh, a cash bail rollout or, or expansion uh disproportionately affects people of color because law enforcement incursion i'm saying from, from 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 the cradle of the civil rights movement here in the city of atlanta if we had sb 63 as the law of the state and Mm-hmm. Say it were the law of several states throughout the South. How many times would it have been impossible for activists like Dr. Martin Luther King uh, to get bailed out from a, a Birmingham jail cell? He would have been able to write an entire book. Right. He would
2: have been, right. And try to keep them there as long as they, as they possibly could with SB uh, sixty three. They could have. They could have. Yeah. And what, um, it's just uh the timing. The timing could not be worse. Uh, Georgia. Is home to me. I've been here eighteen years. My wife, my wife, my son here. So this is home. So I'm a little ashamed. Sometimes I get lifted up by a Super Bowl. And I go, wow, what a great place. Look at us. Mm. And then, then you got to go back to Mondays and go, oh yeah, look at us.
1: Something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, we're going to uh, cover this extensively a l- little bit later in the show. The uh, latest arrests in the Cop City situation. Uh, As that's playing out there, uh, there were police raid, the FBI SWAT team all involved last week. Uh, There seems to have been some arrests made dealing with uh, arson of uh, police vehicles and construction Mm -hmm. equipment, et cetera, and so on. And I don't know if you, if you saw this, I was rather struck by the press conference that the Stop Cop City movement held last Thursday. And Mary Hooks had some pretty strong statements. She was asked by a reporter if she wished to condemn those that perpetrated those acts and she literally she started with hell no nah.
2: right here's the thing we don't want to do this thing where we keep on confusing criminal acts as standing up for what's right
3: mm.
2: blowing up lighting up lighting on fire a cop car for example isn't protest where is that pro- what are you protesting right you don't like the color of the vehicle? You mm. want the cops to walk more? And we're getting a lot of that. Mm. We're getting a, it's, it's, uh, I'll use Fannie Willis's case, uh, his situation for an example.
1: Oh, I think we lost Donnell for just a second there.
2: Phone call that was made of Brad Raffensperger. And we're talking about, well, yeah, let's get that relationship. Mm. Oh, yeah, let me light up this police car. Let me throw firebombs and firecrackers at police or let me vandalize... Public property, private property, mm. and then say it's because of Cop City. We're doing a ton of that, mm. and um, those two things can be mixed up. Unfortunately, for some people, they're going to spend a lot of time in jail because they're getting protests and crime mixed up. And I'm sorry for them. Yeah, so that's, those two things shouldn't um, they shouldn't be alike.
1: Yeah, I, I think the point, and I I had Alex Joseph on a couple of weeks ago from the the uh, Stop oh, Cop you. City movement to discuss this, and I, I kind of have the same position like I'm I'm not one that advocates for this sort of thing but I also understand their frustration because they've tried legal means they've tried going before city council they've tried the petition movement that's all been stonewalled and they're not getting heard
2: you brought up Dr. King a little earlier what would have happened if the nonviolent protest didn't get them what they wanted to get within a year or two Mm. Do they start Do they start shooting shooting and throwing bricks or whatever? Mm. Then we're probably not where we are in this country. I'm sorry, I know it's frustrating. You're right, governing bodies and cities and, and officials do have more legislative power than you do and they can get things passed even though you did it the right way and got your signatures and delivered them, literally delivered them to City Hall. I get it, you're doing that, that's the right way. Keep on doing that. Mm. And I get the frustration, but guys, you can't do that. You can't throw fire bombs or smoke bombs or firecrackers or light things on fire. You can't do that. Yeah. You just can't.
1: We're on the phone with editor in chief of the Atlanta Voice, Don L. Suggs, my buddy. Just finished off, just polished off, I should say, a Waffle House breakfast uh, on his way to a staff meeting this morning. He had a little bit of time to talk, so uh, I want to pick up this conversation. Let's talk, Fonnie Willis, Nathan White. I know you got a column dropping this afternoon discussing the messiness of that entanglement and the legal ramifications. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and get his reaction to the Raheem Morris hire from the Atlanta Falcons. When the Ron Show returns on the American One Radio app, Radio.com, wherever you podcast. You're listening to the Ron Show on the America One Radio app, radio.com wherever you podcast. We're on with Editor-in-Chief from the Atlanta Voice, Donnell Suggs, joining me, talking about a range of topics. Of course, we had to talk the Usher ludicrous atl Super Bowl halftime show from Las Vegas when we could have had that in Atlanta. But we are uh, on to some more important topics. Let's talk a little bit about the Nathan Wade, Funny Willis indiscretion, the entanglement, if you will. And I know you're dropping a piece later today uh, about that. What is the sentiment uh, amongst your readers and, and staff with the revelations that have come forth since... Uh, the allegations were levied against, uh, Fani and Nathan Wade that they were having a relationship. There was that three and a half weeks of quiet where she and Nathan didn't want to address it. And then they said, okay, yeah, we're having a relationship. Uh, wh- 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 where, what's, what's the barometer?
2: We'll disclosure because you're my guy. Yeah. I'm posting a com I'm posting a com this afternoon about that again. Uh-huh. So let me so I can go right into the research and the notes I've had. Obviously I've spoken to her but on a press level, not on a personal level. Sure. It is unethical, yeah, but not illegal. Right. Did they handle it right? No. In the black community, we call that being messy. Mm-hmm. That's messy. You didn't mm-hmm. do that like an adult. Mm-hmm. You handled that like two high school kids do. Yeah. Not wanting to tell their mama and daddy and, and grandma and them that they're going together. So That true. was messy. Grow up, like, you wanna go together? Let's go together next year. Right. I got some stuff to do this year. Yeah. We just can't do it. That said, there were no laws broken, and we do have to treat this like that. We can't keep on making these special, well, we don't like it, or it doesn't look right to me. You're right. It doesn't. I'm a married man. It doesn't look right to me. either. I think it's, it's tacky. Yeah. That being said, it's not illegal. So, as a community, that, at least the readers that I've been hearing from, and I'm getting tons of emails every time we write about her. Mm-hmm. The majority say, "This isn't. This isn't what we're going to court about, right? We're going to court about the, about the Trump phone call to Rappersburg, yes. right? Yes. And, yes. And, and people, um, are trying to get in the way of electors, and right? Are we doing that? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, we are, guys. Just don't be don't be distracted by this. Yeah. don't be distracted by this. And that's my column. Don't be distracted by this.
1: Yeah, and I've I've argued the the whole idea of there being a conflict of interest is is, is null and void. If if they were an item and Nathan Wade were one of the defendants attorneys, now that's a conflict of interest. But yes. They're on absolutely. the they're on the same team. No, I like You know what? I keep thinking every time uh, we we learn something a little new about this relationship, I keep thinking about that uh, Saturday Night Live skit where the black and the white news anchors are sitting there sharing stories and, and they're waiting to find out if it's a black person or a white person that they're discussing.
2: Like, <laughs> you, you know the skit I'm talking about? I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> I keep
1: thinking of that <laughs> skit and I was like, oh, funny, man. When 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 she, when she came out and she said, yeah, we're kind of, we're, we're a thing. I, I literally had that, oh, funny moment, you know, but.
2: I'm telling you, I did. I had the same one. I said like, come on, sis, come on. <laughs> Don't tell me that. And, I was, and, I, and listen, we, you and I, grown men, we, we kind of had a feeling we knew yeah i, I said i watched her at the church i was there b- hours before she came and an hour after she left and i felt her and um a big bet for me that sunday when she spoke her heart and whatever mm. but i know that for a fact you wouldn't have done that nope. if you didn't have anything at all to do with
1: it. but i also think that that speech she gave at that church was probably where she crossed the line and if they have any complaint that might be valid it's it's poisoning the jury pool with that speech.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's yeah. the best idea? But it was kind of like a PR move. Let's get out in front of this. Oh, I'll go to church on Dr. King weekend. <laughs> that'll that'll appeal to my, and she was literally appealing to the black audience. I'm, I'm a black man mm. that is the editor-in-chief of the only black newspaper in Atlanta. So I'm mm. literally coming down one lane. Mm-hmm. She is appealing to us, saying, hey, y'all, back me up on this. Um, mm. I got some stuff that you're probably gonna find out about <laughs> that's not all that cool. So watch my back on this one. Yes. I'm gonna go to church on Sunday and talk about it.
0: That is so
1: funny. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's that that really literally how was how it played out. All right, last question. I'm gonna let you go. And this was a fun one. Uh, New Atlanta Falcons coach Raheem Morris. How excited are you? I'm pretty excited about him because I like the fact that he's he he knows where the bones are buried in the building. I know he excites the fan base, and let's let's get this done.
2: I feel like this was the right hire. It should have been made three years ago, but what under the bridge. One under the bridge. Yeah. He should have got the job when he stepped in out of nowhere after Mike Smith and kind of, he didn't really write the ship. He didn't write the ship. He was seven, he was on the 500, but he did kind of have the locker room. Yeah. And I felt like that's the guy you need. Arthur Smith coming out of left field with no connections to this franchise at all was kind of like, okay. And I'm sure guys like him. I felt that way when I'm in press conferences. And post games and locker rooms, guys do did like him, mm. but I don't. I think by the time you go seven and three, three times in a row, everyone is in is in here that like we probably need a change. So they made a great change for the franchise first, on and off the field. I think that was a franchise change mm. that wasn't just a coaching change. It really was smart.
1: I was really scared we were going to get Bill Belichick to be honest with you because I think he was going to he was going to come in and clean house and be here maybe two three years and then take off
2: maximum he could i don't think he's gonna coach nfl football i really don't think he's gonna coach nfl football again wow. but if he is he would have to take over the entire franchise bill belichick's not answering to some gm
1: no you're right no Chief you're president a thousand percent no yeah a thousand percent no who's gonna be the starting quarterback for us when we start the season next september
2: what, uh justin fields
1: you think um, so you think um, they're gonna pull that trade off so,
2: Chicago is going Chicago's to dump them. They're going to try to start fresh and draft Caleb Williams, who doesn't want to be in Chicago, by the way, California kid. Yeah, I know. So They'll try to draft somebody. Drake May uh, – not Drake May. Drake May is his brother. Luke May – no, Drake May. Yeah, North Carolina, he mm. would be perfect for them. they mm. are going to draft him, and they're going to try to move Justin Fields to us. As long as we stand pat, and don't trade that eighth pick. Trade him a second round and a third or something. Now we have a quarterback that wants to be home
4: yeah.
2: and would probably play a out indoors. Yeah. And to get done a lot of the little things that if we got done this year, the Falcons host a play. Can you believe that Falcons would have hosted a playoff game? <laughs> right, right. won that game in Charlotte and that right, game in Chicago. Right,
1: Yeah, Yeah, Would yeah. I mean, we, we'd have been trucked by whoever came to play us, but whatever. Oh, no question yeah.
2: <laughs> about it. Well, I, I like
1: what you're thinking, too. Like, you know, stick with the, eight, uh, the, the, the pick you got and go get Dallas Turner so we got an edge rusher.
2: Exactly what we need. We would cook. We the, the, he would cook over here. He'd be great. He'd be perfect for that line. Um, we need to get focus on defense. These first five rounds should be defensive picks. Yeah. First five rounds because you're not really gonna get the best offensive lineman without really drafting really
1: high. No, you're right. So we'll
2: fix that. So let's just get some defensive players on that, on that, and get Justin Fields let's
1: go. My oh, man, Donnell Suggs with the Atlanta Voice. All right, you're dropping that column uh, later today, uh, talking about the Fonnie Willis know. situation. So we'll be sure we we'll put that in the show notes today at Ronshowatl.com. Folks, did not come here to listen to me talk sports, but I like talking halftime show and, I know, and pop amen. culture and all things. That, I mean, it was such an Atlanta night. Atlanta won a Super Bowl without actually being in the Super Bowl. Yeah,
2: won the Super Bowl without. We finally won one. <laughs> all right,
1: Donnell suggs with the atlanta voice thanks for the time i appreciate you joining the ron show today always a pleasure all right have a good one always good to catch up with donnell glad that he's available to join the ron show we got so much stuff to catch up on second half of this show though uh all the cop city there were the the cop city arrests there was the press conference actually two press conferences the stop cop city folks had their press conference uh uh, the atlanta police department had theirs with uh, mayor dickens as well we'll give you some audio from both of those the latest on the fake elector saga, there is someone running for a state house seat who was a fake elector, or was he? He's also only 21 years of age, hailing from my home county. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, another legal complaint filed targeting Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones and his participation in the fake elector scheme. That, and if time allows, a state senator reminds Megan Kelly why there is a black national anthem. And he does it so eloquently. Cannot wait to share that with you. We'll uh, hopefully have time for that when The Ron Show returns. In minutes on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast in seconds.
0: This, This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. All right. We haven't
1: discussed yet the arrest made Thursday in conjunction with arson. Private property construction equipment, public property, police vehicles, motorcycles, etc and so on. Mayor Andre Dickens and Atlanta Police Chief Darren Sheerbaum held a press conference last week uh, last Thursday to discuss those arrests and the coordination with the ATF and the GBI, the FBI, etc and so on. Here's Mayor Dickens up first.
0: Good morning. Uh, early this morning, the Atlanta Fire Rescue Department and Atlanta Police Department in collaboration with the ATF, GBI and FBI apprehended an individual linked to multiple acts of vandalism and arson. As you can see by the arrest that there are people who are using uh, the public safety training center construction to conduct violence against fire, police, private businesses and people. Uh, There have been over two dozen acts of arson recently and I'm grateful to our law enforcement partners for taking the first steps to bring the alleged attackers into custody. The people of Atlanta deserve to be protected by well-trained, well-equipped first responders. And the Public Safety Training Center is critical to our comprehensive public safety training strategy that has already produced a 20% reduction in violent crime in the city of Atlanta.
1: Without the public safety training facility being built and used.
0: That means more Atlantans are alive, more are thriving, and that is by our actions and our strategies.
1: Uh, again, but without
0: the completed Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility, the mayor claims we need. See, these people are threatening members of the Atlanta City Council, they're threatening, uh, threatening county commissioners, city employees, and employees of private businesses and their families. They do not want Atlantans to have safety. They do not want Atlantans to feel that safety. They do not care about order. They want chaos. They use misinformation and technology to attempt to recruit others into their violent cause. They have a destructive agenda. And this is where I would point out that maybe the destructive agenda only exists
1: as a Last resort, because the other means, whether it be nonviolent protest, city council meetings where overwhelming numbers show up in support of the Stop Cop City movement and referendums get stonewalled and obstructed at every turn. Former federal state prosecutor Alex Joseph, frequent guest of the show, is a legal advisor for the Vote Cop City movement, and I flat out told her when she was on the show February 1st, I'm personally uncomfortable with the destruction of privately owned construction equipment, police cruisers, police motorcycles, and I asked her to help someone who is generally open to seeing the referendum initiative make its way to a ballot, but can't abide by that sort of destruction to understand the rationale.
5: I understand why public sentiment may question the destruction of property. And I think at one point, months ago, years ago, I myself questioned that. But now having been deep in the movement, having put on suits and gone to city hall and done the polite white girl thing and really got a no response, I will say (laughs) I certainly have anger deep inside of me. Um, And also I will say two things are happening here that have to be acknowledged. One is we have all said out loud, we have had the longest public comment at city hall ever in the history of Atlanta. We said, this is an unpopular project and they are ignoring us. In the same way if you're raising kids and your kids keep reaching for the cookies, you move the cookies, right? Like why are we building this unpopular project in an unpopular place? Two, A little bit of the promise of the facility and of the fact that Atlanta police currently receive over 40% of the Atlanta budget is that they make us safer, right? And to me, it is telling that they have been unable to prevent any of this destruction of property, right? And so to me, this is really showing that the destruction of property is not turning me off from the cop city movement. It is showing me that this is an unpopular project and they have, they, meaning the city has refused to listen to our voices about that. And that the cops in fact, cannot prevent crimes no matter how well-funded they are. And so I think that if they had listened to us, the destruction of property would have stopped and they really just refused to do so. And I also say it is state violence to destroy the largest force in the Atlanta area. It is state violence to ruin uh, black homeowners property values with mm. the creation of this facility. That's going to have nonstop noise pollution. And so I just think we should look at how we define violence.
1: Again, that was Alex Joseph who is a legal advisor for the stop cop city vote cop city movement. Last Thursday, after the arrests were made the, uh, that I spoke to earlier, that you heard Mayor Dickens uh, give a press conference for, the Stop Cop City movement also held a press conference. And in fact, I'll read for you Marissa Pyle, who uh, is with Fair Fight Action. She's also a staunch Stop Cop City uh, advocate, uh, was at the press conference as well. She had some tweets that just kind of pointed to some of the... She labels it intimidation tactics by uh, APD. First, I want you to hear when a reporter asked leader Mary Hooks how she felt about that same sort of arson. She, she didn't go. Uh, how did Alex use it? Was it white? White girl friendly? She did not go white girl friendly. I
0: That's true for everyone who
2: spoke. It's like, both you know, of the instances, you
3: can know the arson that, that happened though against the motorcycle the motorcycles. Hell no, no, not at all. And to be, if I'm being honest with you, Atlanta deserves more than that. Real talk. They're lucky. This city is lucky. This country is lucky. Atlanta has its hands and literally murdering Palestinians right now. You think we give a damn about some equipment? Not at all. Not at all. But some of us, we cannot take that risk. And those who can, bless them. Bless them. I cannot take that risk. But Lord knows I'll sit with my lighter and be like, damn. So the best thing that I can do is use my voice, use my feet, use my heart, and talk to my people, and to organize. And I put my body on the line and show up as much as we can. Because we need every, every means necessary to deal in the police state in which we are dealing with. So I don't care now, and I would imagine my comrades would say the same. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. I'm not going to condemn right. nobody that's for burning up. No, sorry, brother, I ain't going to condemn nobody for doing righteously what they right. need to do when our city has silenced every, quote unquote, democratic, proper democratic process. That's right. that's As that's one right. of the students say, if we don't get this in the courts, if we can't get this at council, then we going to take it in the streets That's right. because our people, our children, my babies, are worth the risk. That's
1: right. I alluded to Marissa Pyle. She tweeted last week, Andre Dickens continues to block the 116,000 voters who want to vote on Cop City. Meanwhile, APD drags people out by their hair and photograph topless residents in pre-dawn SWAT raids. And then he has the gall to say we're not protesting, quote, the right way. She also tweeted relatedly at a Cop City vote press conference Thursday at APF headquarters. APD had seven plus cars on the street, a helicopter, and five plus seven more cops. Shearbaum, speaking of Chief Shearbaum, APD Chief also came. One officer visibly photographed my license plate. Andre Dickens Atlanta uses all this for a press conference, and then over the weekend, Saturday morning, another police vehicle. Was found ablaze Saturday morning in southeast Atlanta. APD officers and firefighters were called uh, to the 300 block of Greendale Drive off Browns Mill Road, according to the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, shortly before 4 a.m. Regarding the vehicle fire, as crews were extinguishing the flames, police said they noticed it was an Atlanta Police Department patrol vehicle. The vehicle was parked and no one was inside at the time of the blaze. No injuries were reported. Sheriff, uh, uh, sorry. Atlanta Police Chief Darren Sheerbaum holding a press conference Saturday evening to give an update on that.
6: Darren Sheerbaum, Chief of Police of the Atlanta Police Department, I'm joined by our Chief of Investigations, uh, Chief, Deputy Chief Prinzina Spann, and our Chief of Field Operations, Deputy Chief Jason Smith. Many of you uh, earlier today reported uh, the arson of an Atlanta police car that was parked in front of one of our officers who resides not too far away in the Lakewood Heights neighborhood. That vehicle was set on fire. Uh, that launched an immediate investigation, uh, not only by the Atlanta Police Department, but by investigators from Atlanta Fire Rescue, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. As that investigation played out, uh, a group commonly uh, known as uh, Defend the Atlanta Forest or Stop Cup City took claim for that arson in a neighborhood of residents of this city and a, a claim of responsibility for setting fire to a police car that is used to protect the city. As the investigation continued, and I want to note, not only were we uh, joined by the other investigative agencies, but the hard work of the Homeland Security Investigators at the Atlanta Police Department, dozens of citizens responded to the request that we made this morning to provide video and to assist the investigators that would be moving through the neighborhood. And as a result of that citizen support and the work of the investigators, probable cause was developed that we believe that the two arsonists involved fled to 501 Harper Road Southeast shortly after the arson took place. We presented our evidence to a judge late this afternoon, and the judge concurred that probable cause existed. And shortly after that, the Atlanta Police Department Apex Unit executed that search warrant at the residence behind me. And as we speak, the residence is being processed by investigators of this department, investigators of the FBI, investigators of the alcohol, tobacco and firearms, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. We've also been joined by, with support from the Secret Service as well as the State of Georgia Arson Control Board. As part of that investigation, a person of interest was developed. That individual is not here, but is currently being sought for questioning by the Atlanta Police Department. I'll note a couple of things here. We are not gonna allow as a police department or a law enforcement community, this city to be held hostage to fear and intimidation through fire. In the last 72 hours, we have served four search warrants, collecting evidence of a series of fires that have taken place. And on Thursday morning, we took into custody an individual we believe and have alleged to be a key participant of those arsons. The citizens of Atlanta deserve, they are residents of a first-class city and they deserve and should expect first-class first responders of their fire and police department. In an attempt to use fire to incite fear to stop the building of a training center that is vital to us being a first-class city protected by first-class first responders will fail. And the citizens should know that. And those, this very small group that has committed these fires, are being held accountable. We've been in their homes. We've been collecting evidence. And while we have one arrest, other arrests are coming. And I want the citizens of Lakewood Heights to know that your police department and our partners at the federal and state level have been working all day for you. Investigators that I saw on scene at 4.30 this morning are now in the residence behind me. And the citizens of this city not only should expect first-class first responder services, but a police department and its partners that are equally committed to ensure they are protected when individuals use arson to cause them to be afraid. And so I wanna again thank the men and women of the Atlanta Police Department, particularly our Homeland Security Unit led by Chief Spann and the many officers that came out to join the neighborhood campus that were out of field operations. And the citizens who are remaining nameless today, but we will not be standing in front of this house collecting evidence of where the two arsonists fled if it were not for citizens of this very neighborhood assisting their police departments. And there's probably others that are watching this press conference that continue to have information. I encourage them to continue to report that information to Crime Stoppers, which is 404-577-TIPS. There continues to be a reward up to $200,000 for information leading to the conviction of of those that are starting fires right here in the state of Georgia.
1: The arrest he is referencing would be that of activist John Mazurik, arrested Thursday during the raid and charged with first-degree arson in connection to an incident in July in which eight police motorcycles were burned. Chief Sherbrom promising more arrests will be made. A story we'll be following, of course, closely here on The Ron Show. Back after this on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. All right, final segment of the Ron Show for Monday. I want to thank Donnell Suggs with the Atlanta Voice for joining me. Tomorrow on the show, attorney Wayne Kendall joins. He is the attorney who is seeking to have Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones disqualified from office. He filed a new legal complaint looking to force a state agency to appoint a prosecutor to pursue election interference charges against the sitting lieutenant governor. Uh, he will join us again to discuss that tomorrow and the rationale behind that. I know I mentioned earlier we'd be talking about that. Going to have to table that for tomorrow as uh, his schedule allows him to converse with me for tomorrow's show a little bit later today. So I'll have that conversation for you tomorrow. Yesterday before the Super Bowl, Andre Day performed the Black National Anthem Lift Every Voice and Sing. Megan Kelly, <laughs> former Fox News anchor and pundit Ignorantly tweets, the so-called Black National Anthem does not belong at the Super Bowl. We already have a National Anthem, and it includes everyone. Okay. Georgia State Senator Derek Mallow from District 2, a Savannah State alum representing that uh, area in Savannah, Georgia, here in the State Senate, chimed in. Did you know Key, Francis Scott Key, who authored the Star-Spangled Banner? was an anti-abolitionist. Did you know he was a slave owner? This is Derek Mallow, Senator Derek Mallow, tweeting Megan Kelly. Did you know the rest of the lyrics? No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. He continues, do better. Clutch your pearls since you know better. Oh, and not to take a victory lap or gloat or anything like that, but Clay Travis, what a douche. Uh, here he was uh, with Howard Kurtz on Fox News, and mm, this didn't age well. Seconds for you. You waited on the Taylor mania a few weeks ago when you said she was partially responsible for the Kansas City Chiefs losing a couple of games. Did Do you? you stand by that comment?
4: I hope that she's the Yoko Ono of the Kansas City Chiefs and she destroys their dynasty and puts them down in flames. That's why I am proudly supporting the San Francisco 49ers, America's team,
6: on Sunday against Kansas right. City, Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift, you, and Travis Kelsey. You Go got that, you got Niners.
1: All right. How about the bewildering Robert F. Kennedy presidential campaign ad? Uh, Honestly, my first thought was, this really couldn't come at a worse time. Also, he had the money to run that during the Super Bowl. Okay. But, yeah, again, with everybody uh, grousing about the age of one candidate or the other and the memory and the insipid stuff that uh, one of them likes to say at rallies all the time. The RFK ad kind of came from out of nowhere, right? We were all a little bewildered by that, including the Kennedy family. Bobby Shriver tweeting, my cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. She would be appalled by his deadly health care views. Respect for science, vaccines, and healthcare equity were in her DNA. She strongly supported my health care work at the One campaign and read, which he opposes. By the way, Bob Bauer was on CBS Face the Nation yesterday morning. Uh, obviously, there in response, he was President Biden's personal attorney during the special counsel investigation into the president's handling of classified documents. Robert Hur, of course, releasing the report that essentially concluded there would be no charges filed because there was no wrongdoing, but also clouded the findings with some Pretty damning comments about the president's memory and rationale as to why there would be no charges filed. Basically that he's just this nice old man who doesn't remember stuff and what's the point is sort of the characterization. Anyway, Bob Bauer on Face the Nation yesterday, Biden's attorney was asked.
5: Doesn't have any memory problems.
2: He does not. I was in the interview room. And, and let me tell you one other vignette from the interview room. There were a couple of occasions when the special counsel, who had flagged at the beginning that sometimes he asks imprecise questions, asked questions that the president picked apart as a matter of logic. Mm -hmm. He showed that the questions didn't have a logical underpinning. Now, everybody in the room recognized that was the case. It showed the president was listening carefully and understood precisely what was wrong with those questions. Mm -hmm. I didn't come away from the special counsel's failure to ask precise questions and think to myself, he has mental acuity problems. I just thought he was asking bad questions.
1: Oh, speaking of mental acuity, how about this guy?
3: Maralago, sir, I will never
2: run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. What happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? <laughs> Where is he? He's gone. He knew.
1: He knew. That's a former president who once called those who served in the military and prisoners of war suckers and losers. Uh, Joe Biden or his social media uh, responded, the answer to where her husband is, the answer is that Major Haley is abroad serving his country right now. We know he thinks our troops are, quote, suckers, but this guy wouldn't know service to his country if it slapped him in the face. Ooh. And while so much of the world is talking about Robert Hur's special counsel report and questioning Biden's memory... Not enough conversation in my mind about this from Donald Trump while on the campaign trail over the weekend. First, listen to Jake Tapper talking to Senator Marco Rubio to react to it.
4: ...pushed and got legislation to require the advice and consent of the Senate or an act of Congress before any president could suspend, terminate or withdraw U.S. membership from NATO. So I want you to take a listen to something Donald Trump said yesterday on the campaign trail.
2: The presidents of a big country stood up and said, Well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay.
4: You've endorsed Donald Trump. Are you comfortable with him suggesting that he wouldn't defend NATO countries and actually he would invite Putin and Russia to invade them? Well, that's not what happened, and that's not how I view that statement. I mean, he was talking about something a story that he talked about happened in the past. By the way, Donald Trump was president, and he didn't pull us out of NATO. You know, in fact, American troops were stationed throughout Europe as they are today. They were then as well. But he's telling a story and frankly, look, Donald Trump is not a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. He doesn't talk like a traditional politician. Mm. And uh, we've already been through this now. You'd think people had have figured it out by now. What he's basically saying is, if you, if you see the comments, he said NATO was broke or busted until he took over because people weren't paying their dues. And then he told the story about how he used leverage to get people to step up to the plate and, and become more active in NATO. He's not the first American president. In fact, virtually every American president at some point in some way has complained about other countries in NATO not doing enough. Um, you know, Trump's just the first one to express it in these terms, but i have zero concern because he's been president before. I know exactly what he has d- done and will do. Uh, with the NATO alliance. But there has to be an alliance. It's not America's defense with a a bunch of small junior partners. Some of these are big countries with big economies. Many of them are doing more. The Germans Mm -hmm. are doing a lot right now.
1: I don't trust Marco Rubio or the GOP to hold this guy in check anymore. I mean, we gave them an entire first term to do so, and they failed us. They failed us all. They failed themselves, and they failed us all, and the world. Sorry, I don't expect him or the GOP to keep Donald Trump in line for a second term. In fact, I kind of think that that should be a Biden-Harris campaign strategy. And we can have a greater conversation uh, later this week. In fact, there's a political piece that talks about, do the Democrats need a plan B? Anyway, I I think that a campaign strategy, if we're going to roll with Biden-Harris through November as the ticket uh, against Donald Trump, they have to hammer on the fact that It's not just Joe Biden that's running for office. It's the Biden-Harris administration, a second term of the entire administration, and the normalcy and competency with which they govern versus Mr. The Best People, who couldn't keep the best people and ran off the better of the best people, who are all now almost in lockstep, either campaigning against him or having to be deposed to testify against him or are not exactly back on board with his re-election campaign. That'll do it for the Ron Show. We air weekdays 9 to 10 a.m. on the American One Radio app, radio.com We also replay 5 to 6 p.m. And then you listen anytime you like, wherever you podcast afterwards.
3: Show notes at ronshowatl.com. Back tomorrow. Have a good one.